Neither Marcus nor Tabby are a professional broadcaster. This will soon become evident. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast that puts not only the odd, but the ass in podcast. Uh, my name my name is possibly Marcus Wayburn. And I'm Tabby. Um, I'm, I'm guessing I'm the odd and you're the ass. Um, and We're we interchangeable. Are, and we are... And together, together, we, together we, are, we are the Detective, detective Inspectors. inspectors. Yay! <laughs> I want to do that. We need to tidy that up. Uh, okay. <laughs> but not now. That will okay. do. Fair enough. That's, that that's, do. that's good. Um, as, as is made uh, made apparent, we are not professional. Um, or even semi-professional. Um, <laughs> no. no. But, uh, and we're unlikely ever to be so on the listener numbers that we currently <laughs> receive. I, I like to think of them as, as basically our friends, because um, they are. <laughs> <laughs> as I've said before, I think we are the only podcast that could name all of its listeners. But I, I like that. I think we're, we're building a close and personal community of, of um, um, <laughs> indifference. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do on this <laughs> what what do we do on this fan, fantag, fantastically successful podcast well apart from slag ourselves <laughs> off what we do here is uh, we watch half a detective program we then discuss it we make some brief brief predictions about what we're gonna potentially see in the second half we then watch the second half and discuss that awards some points Chuck out some final thoughts. I generally try and hurry us up. You try and ramble on for much too long, and that's, then we that's, finish. <laughs> that's that's my job. Um, brilliant. So I guess we should uh, talk about what we're watching today. Um, what are so we watching pro- today, Tabby? Today we are watching a program. It ran. It's a UK program. It ran from 1994 to 1997 with a whopping 40 mm-hmm. episodes, um, and. Today we are watching Series 1, Episode 8, A Matter of Taste, from Pie in the Sky. Pie in the Sky. A programme not about pies, although the uh, the main star would probably disagree. Um, bless him, God rest his soul. Um, <laughs> but... Um, uh, so tell me about Pie in the Sky. What's uh, what's what's the main uh, what's its sort of unique um, and and brilliant plot device that makes this program worth watching? Okay, uh, Pie in the Sky is a light-hearted police drama. It's set in the fictional county of Westershire, which I believe to be in southern England, although I'm not entirely sure. But certainly there are no there are no obvious regional accents at play. Uh, I think it's probably very home counties. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it, it stars Richard Griffith, who people listening, uh, or the listener, as we like to call them, may remember from Withnail and I as Uncle Monty. Yep. 
um, fantastic actor. Um, also in things like the History Boys and other other British programs and films that uh, require a, a, a larger a larger man in the um, <laughs> in the role. <laughs> it's it's yes, it's fair to say that um, he is a large he is a large gentleman in this. Yeah. Uh, we'll mention it here. We won't mention it again. But, uh, but he is a uh, he is a big lad. Well, it's fair to say that they they make use of that in the program itself as well. There's there's a lot of kind of references to the fact that um, um, yeah yeah potentially uh, yeah there is a chase scene <laughs> a chase scene in this where where the policewoman runs off after the suspect and Richard Griffiths just strolls lazily to the elevator <laughs> and goes up and catches them outside the front door. So so yeah, yeah. you're right. They do make a play of it, yeah. but we shan't. We shan't stoop so low. Uh, and this, and what this is, 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 it is, it is, basically he's a policeman, but he is, for reasons, uh, what did you say the reasons were? He, um, I think he was basically, um, he's an ex-policeman who was basically implicated in some sort of crime. He's, he's clearly innocent of it, um, but basically in some peculiar um, legal wrangling that they never really go into um, to avoid him being sort of prosecuted for this crime that he didn't commit. He is now kind of he's he's basically the police force's bitch, um, effectively and like yeah. they, they kind of they have him over a barrel of, of, of like basically you're you don't want to be a policeman but um, we're, whenever there's a crime basically we're going to call on you to solve said crime um, somehow somehow uh, this man is their best detective that they cannot possibly let go uh, yeah yeah um, it's 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 a dodgy premise it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense but you know it will I'll we'll... go I think I'll go I think I'll go further than dodgy premise to say it is piss poor <laughs> Yes, piss, piss poor is probably right. But what we have here is a perfect representation because while he doesn't want to be a policeman, what he does want to be is a chef. So he is effectively both a proper bona fide policeman and a working functional chef. So this, this programme exists in the ground, the middle ground of the busybody detective programme and the police detective programme. He, he is, a, uh, he is a, a cook cop. Um, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> a cook cop, a cook cop, yes, a cop cook, yeah, <laughs> a chef cop, <laughs> and so on and so forth. Yeah. So on that note, let's uh, let's move on to uh, today's episode. I think. Yep. So and, uh, we'll do that after this. Music. Detective Inspectors. Welcome back to the Detective Inspectors, uh, episode eleven. Um, twelve. Twelve. <laughs> episode twelve. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> What? I think it is episode twelve. You no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm you can't criticise me for no, no, I'm, 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 criticising, I'm criticising me. Um, so, also, I've never picked Tabby up. By the way, that's, uh, <laughs> that is a rumor. There is no evidence. 
so, Pie in the Sky, Series 1, Episode 8, A Matter of Taste. Uh, first aired on the 1st of May, 1994. Let's go into the, the intricate and um, incredibly sensical um, plot. Sensical? Sensical. Um, presumably the opposite of nonsensical. Presumably, but but you don't know for sure. It sounds like a word. It 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 would make sense. <laughs> if there's a nonsensical, you would think there would have to be a sensical. In, but I, for one, in all of my forty three years of being alive, have certainly never heard it. Uh, no, um, and admittedly, the more you say it, the weirder it sounds. But um, it sounds almost nonsensical. <laughs> We've created a. Um, <laughs> We've created a paradox. <laughs> Indeed. The first one ever on the Detective Inspectors. Yep. <laughs> okay, a matter a matter of taste. We open with uh, a ram raid at a wine warehouse being conducted by two... I would like... To, I would refer to them as common criminals. Yeah, yeah. Um... The most, the most common. Yeah, like he's talking a bit like that. Oh, God, I can't believe we got away with it. And she, his his accomplice is a lady criminal. And basically, they go in, ram raid, steal a load of wine. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, at the very same time this is happening, you have another wine supplier who supplies wine to the restaurant. That, uh, that Henry Crab. We should, yeah, we should say Richard Griffiths plays a man called Detective. Sergeant or Inspector Henry Crabb, and he runs a restaurant called Pie in the Sky, hence the name of the programme. A uh, terrible name for a restaurant, but uh, let's go on. Okay, okay. So so at the same time that this man-made is happening, the wine people, they are called George and Rosie Porter, and they're up to something because they get a phone call from a man named Greenslade while yeah. they're like unloading wine or whatever. The Greenslade, who owns the restaurant, has been given the wrong order. Uh, I would like to interject and just say that they missed a trick by not calling her Rosé, um, Rosé Porter. Um, but, um... Nice, excellent. All sorts of different drinks in that name. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so the, so the man raid happens, there is then... So, because this Greenslade calls, George Porter has to drive off to the warehouse and pick up some more wine for Greenslade. And while he does so, he is basically run off the road by a combination of the Ram Raiders in their van yep. and some two criminal gentlemen, yep. one of whom is Scottish. I will not attempt the accent at this point, but I may do later. Good. Uh, and they, they ram Porter off the road. He gets injured. Uh, and then we kind of cut to the next morning. Uh, we should we should point out that while doing this uh, getaway, the um, uh, the male of the common thieves is uh, steals a um, uh, steals a bottle of vodka, and while driving a truck full of um, uh, stolen wine, uh, essentially necks a bottle of vodka, which uh, like uh, not a whole bottle. He has a good he has a good old slug on it, that, but he doesn't uh, neck a whole bottle. It, pretty much, it's like he's drinking it like it's water, which it probably was. But um, <laughs> in, in, we've all been there. <laughs> but he would be in hospital. You can't. You physically can't drink that much he, vodka. Uh, look, uh, without wishing. To to get hung up on this I don't think he drinks that much he has a good old <laughs> he probably has like six 
six shots of it or something, yeah. which I'll admit while driving a van <laughs> is on the heavy side. <laughs> but but I think it's I think it is uh I think it's doable. And his his lady accomplice does tell him off. So you can only assume that he doesn't drink the whole bottle at that point. Okay. Um anyway, we're getting hung up on uh that point. Yeah. So there is a crash, the guy is injured, uh Porter is injured, they the the uh, the criminal gentlemen go in and get the keys to the Porter's wine warehouse. Uh then we cut to the next day and uh, I think at this point we so okay. What I'm going to do? Yep. Hang on, I've dropped my pen. <laughs> Just fill, fill. Uh, so Phil. what do we? <laughs> <laughs> That's not my name. Um, okay, I'm back. I'm back oh, now. Okay. Got your pen. Uh, that was a, that was the worst filling I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> That's a, a bad pie filling. A bad a bad pie filling. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> So what I'm going to do is, to make life easier, I'm going to run, just quickly run down the names of the characters, because to be fair, not a massive amount happens after this point. So I'm going to run down the main characters. Okay. And we'll have a quick chat about each of them. Yeah? Yep. And then we can fill in any details we've got on the plot. And, uh, there is and very... then we can move on to mystery predictions, because there's not a great deal that happens, uh, but it's important uh, that we know who's involved, I uh, think. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably a good idea. Okay, so Let's we have all the people working. We have all the people working in the restaurant, which is Mr. and Mrs. Crab, Richard Griffiths and his wife, a couple of waiters, a chef, yeah, uh, a waitress, etc. We have then uh, George and Rosie Porter, who are the wine wholesalers, and they are up to something because they obviously were supposed to deliver something to Greenslade and didn't. Yeah, um, they. Uh, um, I believe it was a case of uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, um, which is a, There's a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon being mentioned. There is, there is. Um, uh, they also uh, apparently screwed up a delivery to the Pie in the Sky restaurant as well. Um, which is yeah, yeah. Um, which is why they yeah yeah. So so that's kind of. But I think that was just so that we knew that. They knew the crabs. I think, that's, uh, yeah. I think that's all that was. I don't think it really mattered too much. We're left to assume that they are um, not very good wine merchants. Um, but uh, I, well, I think they're. I think they're. I think they're in some way uh, a criminal enterprise of some kind, or not not so heavily criminal, but they're obviously on. They're obviously up to something just because of their reaction to that phone call. And it's that phone call that they get that prompts George Porter to dash off in his van yeah. and then become involved in this accident, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Which, uh, okay. And then you have got Drummond, first name unknown. Uh, uh, probably could find out on IMDb. But he is the posh owner of the... He is the owner of the wine warehouse that gets van raided. Yeah. Uh, played by Julian Fellows, who was the uh, writer of Downton Abbey, um, weirdly enough. Oh, good knowledge. Yeah. Thank did you look that up on MD- IMDb? Uh, 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 no, uh, no, I, I, I knew it. <laughs> um, you knew that? You know, massive Downton Abbey fan that I am. <laughs> of course, of course. No, I, f- I always forget that about you. No, it, it, it reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> what, Downton Abbey? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to be the odd and you're going to have to be the ass. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, 
you have then got two you have then got two goons who are working for Greenslade. Uh, more on Greenslade later. These two goons are uh, they're the ones that kind of cause the accident in the first place. It gets yeah. a guy injured. Um, and they steal some keys out of George Porter's pocket while he's injured. And they then subsequently follow, basically Mrs. Crab ends up looking after the Porter's wine business for them. Uh, and these goons are following her around in a Range Rover. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of all they've done so far. Oh, and then they, towards the end of the half, it is assumed that they kidnap Rosie Porter, the wife of the injured and aforementioned George Porter. Yeah. Um, who has no qualms. That's fair. She has no qualms about smoking in hospitals. So, um, you know, she's... No qualms whatsoever. <laughs> yep. So she's cool. Um, and to be fair, I mean, there is a no smoking sign right there. Right there. Yeah. Uh, next to the... Uh, <laughs> next to the massively heavily uh, <laughs> product placement uh, Coca-Cola machine. Um, yeah, which is weird, isn't it? Because BBC normally... BBC, like in EastEnders, it always used to be like beer with the labels always turned away from the camera and stuff but but this coca-cola machine is in your motherfucking face uh, yeah yeah it's, it, it, it's like uh, it's like the the, the mulberry truck in um uh superman it's it's like you know heavily but it's like you can't help but notice it it's it's actually probably the most interesting thing in the in the entire program um <laughs> i would disagree but we'll get on to the most interesting thing in the program in a minute uh <laughs> You have then got two Ram Raiders, uh, aforementioned Ram Raiders, called, I believe, Alvis and Cass. Uh, Alvis being the man. They eventually are arrested because of the fingerprints found on the vodka bottle. Which are... Vodka, 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 the vodka, the bottle, vodka bottle. Which I will point... Near the abandoned van. Which I will point out was empty. So, like, in between... Uh, yeah, but dr- they might have finished drinking it after the van. You know, whatever. Look... <laughs> I'll admit, but we're talking about criminals here. Who knows what they get up to? You know what so, I mean? These are people that don't play by the same rules as you and me, man. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, littering for a you start. You can't hold them up to the same. You can't hold them up to the same values that you and I hold dear. If yeah. They want to drink vodka, neat, driving a van. Who gives a fuck, man? They're living on the. They're living on the edge. They're living, yeah, they are living on the edge. And, and like, certainly when I neck an entire bottle of vodka, I make sure that I put that bottle of vodka in the recycling. Um, which... <laughs> you, do, which is I, you are a very, very responsible drunk. I, I, I certainly am. Um... Who never forgets. Who never forgets. The, the debt he owes to the planet on which we were born. No, when I'm driving home after drinking a bottle of vodka, I make sure that that goes in the green bin. That's... <laughs> okay, and then and then the last, the last... Well, there's two more people to mention. There is then Greenslade, um, who we have not yet met. Now, Greenslade is a very, obviously, a very key character in this mystery because yeah. he is... The owner of a restaurant which is a rival to Pie in the Sky, uh, correct? Yes, uh, called the uh, Le Grand Boeuf. Um, which, Le Grand Boeuf, which means? Um, uh, the Big Feast. Um, Ooh, nice. uh, yeah, there, is a, there is a 
French film um, of the same name, which is the uh, French film, uh, um, which which uh, I happen to work on, which is basically a load of um, sort of well-to-do French people um, decide to um, eat and fuck themselves to death in a um, in a mansion. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's <laughs> it's a it's a really good film um, from the uh, from the seventies. I, I I highly recommend it. There is a absolutely repulsive scene where a man shits himself to death on the toilet, um, but um, well worth a watch. Wow! <laughs> if I could if I could take this moment to apologise to any listeners who found the last uh, anecdote offensive. <laughs> No, that's, that, that's, that does. I genuinely don't know what you mean. <laughs> that no, that does sound like an interesting film, and it makes me wonder whether the writers of this particular episode of Pie in the Sky have thrown that in there. Um, I think so. I, I, I would imagine uh, who was it written for? Andrew Payne um, uh, is probably a, a a big fan of seventies uh, French cinema. I, I would imagine, and probably cries himself to sleep every night for the fact that he has to write this shit. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he does all right. He does all right. Yeah, yeah he probably does well. all right writing this. I mean, the nineties was still the time when you earned loads of money for working in this kind of thing. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, sadly, sadly, just before we started working in the uh, in the industry, <laughs> indeed, all, uh, indeed, just before, uh, yeah. So yeah, it was all cocaine and parties. Now it's just sort of like yeah, working through your lunch break, miserable. <laughs> so anyway, back to the back to pie in the sky, away from your uh, unpleasant bitterness. Um, <laughs> Green, so Greenslade not only owns a restaurant named after a unpleasant French film, he also is the registered owner of the, uh, uh, of the Range Rover, which has been following Mrs. Crab around. Yeah. And he is also the brother, basically also Greenslade, uh, one of his, and let me get this right, one of the people that drives for Greenslade. Oh, no, let me go back, let me go back. Okay. Greenslade is in a deal... He has a deal with George and Rosie Porter where they go across to France, I think, once a month and bring back a load of wine. That is key. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. yeah, I mean... That, that this happens is, once a month. This this is the era of, like, the booze cruise. Um, effectively, you could just, you know, you, you load your car onto a ferry, like, stop off, get to France, um, go to a massive warehouse, um, fill it up with crates of wine, and you're back home. Drive home. Um, yeah. Um, Everyone's winner. Head. And that's what these guys are doing. That, 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 that is what George and Rosie Porter are doing with Greenslade. Uh, and that's obviously uh, quite key to the whole thing. So the last thing with Greenslade is that Greenslade has got a driver. And that driver has got a brother-in-law. And that brother-in-law is putting pressure on pie in the sky to try and get them shut down. Yeah. And that person trying to get them shut down he is a planning inspector yeah yes there was a planning inspector yes his name was kobayashi <laughs> yes or as... the fact that the fact that the fact that you did not know you were competing against a restaurant owned by <laughs> kaiser soze is the only reason that you're still alive so, uh, so we should point out that uh, that this planning inspector is played by uh, pete postlethwaite um 
Um, Obayashi. God rest his soul. Um, but also, we're, we're chopping up um, uh, pretty much the whole cast of the film Brassed Off, because uh, he was he was in Brassed Off, and in a previous episode, um, Helen Baxendale uh, was also um, uh, prominent in, an, in another episode. Um, possibly Cadfile? Um uh, yes, I so, think yeah. she was in Cadfile. Yes. Yeah. So basically, I, I'm I'm wanting to kind of keep tabs on this because I reckon that by the end of the, whenever we stop doing this, we will have the entire cast of Brass Off um, credited in every episode that we uh, that we watch. Um, well, I've not I've not seen it, so that's you know that's uh, that means little to me to be honest. Uh, good good film. Um, yeah, Miners Brass Band. <laughs> What more do you need? <laughs> Economic recession. Well, well, to be honest, they're two of the things I don't need. In, in wow. fact, the further away I am from a, the further away I am from any kind of brass band, the better. <laughs> you can keep your rom pom pom and stuff it up your ass. Well, we're uh, alienating uh, the vast swathes of our. Um... <laughs> Brass band uh, audience now. So, yeah. welcome to the Detective Inspectors, once the favourite podcast of the brass banding community. Yeah, but not anymore. No. Um. So cracking on. So yeah, basically Kobayashi is a lawyer. Uh, no, he's not. He's a planning inspector, and he he turns up at Pie in the Sky and starts giving Richard Griffiths a whole bunch of grief about a sign that's too big and there's got people outside too late and they've got chickens where the car park should be and basically he's trying to shut down the restaurant and it turns out later on that he is strongly linked to Greenslade. So Greenslade is involved in the wine business and he is also trying to get Pie in the Sky shut down. That is like and it's, but, but we haven't met him yet. Uh, it, it should also be pointed out that every single episode from uh, the exhaustive research that we've uh, that we've done seems to have a subplot of someone trying to shut down Pie in the Sky um, over Indeed. Indeed. For ridiculous reasons. Um, but, okay, uh, if I could just say that when you say every episode we've watched, you mean two two episodes, the two episodes we've watched. But if that you know that's that's a good sort of uh, that's a good sort of cross section really we've we've chosen two random yeah. episodes and the same thing happens basically they're uh, no 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 if I could no 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 if I could stop you there in the first one it was in and I believe the episode we watched the first time was coddled eggs it was coddled eggs um, and in that first episode that that woman trying to shut the ref uh, the restaurant down the health inspector. She was nothing to do with the plot whatsoever. That was just pure filler. This one is different because Kobayashi is related to the guy that owns the other restaurant. Okay. So there is this. This this at least is not completely random. Um, anyway, I think at that point, uh, just just a couple more things. So uh, that yeah, they find the Ram Raiders. Uh, uh, and they admit that they were paid to do what they did by a posh man in a car park who they didn't uh, yeah. really see his face. 
this is basically the, the this is the scene that we mentioned before where um, uh, the lady detective uh, called Cambridge, I believe, um, she is yes. chasing uh, she is chasing the, the, the one of the thieves. Um, up a big flight of stairs. Um, you, you have like this really naff sort of like section where sort of like you have sort of like the the music in the background, which is like sort of like chase music. It's all very intense, and then you cut to um, you cut to Richard Griffith's uh, crab, um, and then and then you get like a sort of like a slow kind of like look at this big fat man lumbering along, um, and <laughs> which you know not you know that that's what they're doing. Thing. That's that's exactly you know I'm not I'm not yeah. trying to be well, no, I'm, it's I'm like, not trying to be offensive but uh, um, you're not trying uh, but I am succeeding excellent um, you know that's that's success that's <laughs> if you can if no you can. they do no no they do they do make a play they do make a point of 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 I of the, it basically she chases off after him and it cuts to Richard Griffiths and his face is like oh. There is not yeah. a chance in hell that I'm running after these two, and he just ambles up there and catches. He kind of proves that you can still catch young, uh, young athletic criminals if you are a reasonably overweight old detective. It's it's the uh, you know it's it's, it's the age old uh, fable of uh, the tortoise and the hare. Um, I think that's that's what they were guessing at there. Um, you can you can outsmart them by uh, getting in the lift uh, effectively. Exactly. Um, oh, so, I like it. I like the tortoise and the hare analogy. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, thank you. So on that note, on that on, on, yes. on that note, on that one, on that good thing we've done. Um, I think, yeah. So I think we should go to predictions now because we've pretty much covered the plot. And if there is anything we've missed, I'm sure we'll pick it up in predictions. Uh, can we just point out that he, like, they go into the flat and they're... Oh, and the, all the wine is uh, there. The, the flat is absolutely stuffed full of wine, um, like a van full of wine. And you've got to, like, you've got to wonder, how did they get the wine up the stairs? That would have taken at least, sort of like, seven or eight kind of, like... Well, there is a lift. lift. Richard Griffiths uses the lift. But that, you know, that would have been several trips. That is not an easy, like, you can't get that much wine without being noticed. Um, exactly, it, yeah. No, uh, you're getting spotted. If you're, if you're a kind of well-known criminal on a housing estate and you're for an hour unloading wine from a van into a lift, A, that's getting spotted. B, we find out later on that later that day, they're supposed to take all that wine... And deliver it to someone in like a car park somewhere. So they're now yep. going to have to take it all back all down. The way down. Why not? They should have just left it in the van. Why not keep it in the van? Yeah. And put the van like in a garage or something. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. These people are idiots. Um, and so we knew. I was much better at this crime than they were. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. For a start, uh, if they hadn't, if they hadn't been, if they hadn't been swigging vodka like you said, then they wouldn't have left their fingerprints and they wouldn't get caught in the first place. It's like do yeah. the crime, get away with it, then go home and celebrate. Yeah, don't start celebrating when you're still driving around with all the booze. Oh, and it's worth it's worth mentioning as well that the wine that they've stolen uh, it's, is worth a considerable amount of money. Uh, Sixty grand's worth of wine. They're being paid five grand for the theft, um, as far as I can yeah, remember. Yeah, which is a good, which is for uh, one night's work is pretty decent. That's, I mean, that's good cash. Not too bad, but also it's it's you could at least sort of like go for. They could have got thirty grand. 
Yeah, but they don't know, do they? They don't know that it's worth, because they're surprised when they find out it's worth that much money. True. They're idiots. <laughs> so they, they are. They are idiots. In fact, he <laughs> says, why do we always get stuck with the losers? Yeah. Henry Crabb says that to his... Uh, and he says it right in front of them, which I think is a little bit mean. Uh, but let's let's move to uh, predictions in a moment. Okay. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, uh, and we'll see what we'll see what comes out of that. Excellent. Felony homicide. Hmm. Welcome back to the detective inspectors. We are. We've discussed the first half of the episode, and now we are on to predictions. Tabby is going to go first. Okay. Uh, so over to you. Right. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that neither of us really know what's going on, um, or nope, there's, I care. there's there's so little going on that we can't really bring ourselves to care. Um, so I'm going to be a, a wild stab in the dark, um, which is probably another episode of. Um, pie in the sky to be honest um i'm gonna go for <laughs> um so i think that uh, drummond um uh danton abbey's uh, julian fellows um i mm-hmm. think he has paid the um thieves to actually steal from him he's probably going to buy it back whilst also claiming from the insurance for that wine nice um i also think that the two um goons the um i think they are after a um what the hell was that uh either a very loud gunshot or a firework oh okay Uh, (laughs) it's okay i'm inside okay away from any potential drama brilliant um well i'm glad you're safe (laughs) They do like a loud firework here in Spain. Right, but it's not even dark. Fireworks, but like... <laughs> a, it's not dark, and B, we're recording this like in the middle of January, so I've really got no idea why someone would feel the need to do such a thing. But... Okay. <laughs> right, so, uh, Drummond is doing it for an insurance thing. I think the goons are after um, a particularly rare a bottle of wine or case of wine that... Um, the other wine dealer has and somehow they are linked um i'm not sure how but i can guarantee that it will be tenuous um that's what i think good prediction good prediction so what was so okay okay so my prediction i've been i've been working my prediction up just in the last few minutes while not listening to yours Excellent. Um, my prediction is that it all it all revolves around Greenslade, and I know we haven't met Greenslade yet, but that hasn't stopped the last two things we've watched of making the person you don't see till the last quarter of an hour be the absolute definite criminal. Or, or, so, or, or I think quarter of an hour is generous. I think I would say sort of like five minutes, probably. Yeah, yeah, cer- yeah, certainly for Hammer. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think it's Greenslade. It's his goons following the whole situation about. It was also his phone call that caused George Porter to go out. And I think that was a deliberate oh, okay. act. I think the plan there was that, that Green, Greenslade knew if he called George Porter, that Porter would have to go to Drummond's and then the goons were going to use George Porter because George Porter somehow has a key to Drummond's. He was going to use him 
to get in there and steal all that expensive wine. That's what I think. I like it. So I, so I, so I think it's basically it all for me. It all revolves around Greenslade, and he's also trying to shut down Pie in the Sky. So I think he, I think he's the key to this. So, uh, so I think we've got two good, diverse predictions. Yep. So let's see which one of us is right. Okay, yeah. Uh, tune in Tune in after this very, very short piece of music <laughs> uh, and find out what happens. Please do. Detective Inspectors. Welcome back to the Detective Inspectors. Welcome. Tabby and I have just watched the second half of Pie in the Sky. Um... And by God, was it amazing! It was oh. so, like it was so good. Uh, like uh, uh, it, words cannot describe, which is difficult on a podcast where it, we literally have to use words to describe. But um, no, I'm, I'm totally blown away, blown away just by how crap and mediocre this was. So um, yeah. <laughs> so we come back, and uh, so Crab's wife. Let's just try and rattle through this because there's not a great deal going on. Uh, Crab's uh, wife is uh, taken hostage really. by the goons. They've also got Rosie, the uh, injured man's wife. Rosé, yeah. Yeah, Rosé. Um, She's also uh, there. Um, so, yeah, and it's uh, Green, Green Slade who's uh, taken them hostage and has made the ridiculously stupid mistake of... Um, holding them hostage <laughs> in his cellar of priceless wine. Mm. Um, which, you know, it, it's the dumbest thing you could possibly do, really. There, must, there um, must be somewhere else that you could keep these people. Basically, they're in there. They're locked up uh, and they're with Greenshade and he goes in there to talk to them with all, their, uh, with all his hard men. So at the same time as that happens, Crab and Cambridge, his his police constable, they go to Drummond's Wine Warehouse where there's a tasting going on. So all this stuff is happening at the same time. And I think the crux of this episode is that there are two separate wine scams going on. So Greenslade and George Porter were importing wine, Cabernet Sauvignon, on their booze cruise. But Greenslade, unbeknown to George Porter, was importing expensive wine with a different label on it so that he could avoid paying the VAT. I think that's correct on Greenslade's side, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would just like you to say uh, Cabernet Sauvignon again, please. Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, and uh, say it again, please. Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, and one more time. Cabernet Sauvignon. Great. Um, that's basically the episode. Um, <laughs> they do. They do think I'm in this episode an awful lot. It's, if it were a drinking game, you would be blind by now. It's, it's ridiculous. But it is, uh, please it carry. Is. Please, please carry on. So that's so that's his scam. He's importing expensive wine with cheap wine labels to avoid paying VAT on the expensive wine, right? George yeah. Porter doesn't know about it, but somehow works it out. And so he he snaffles away the good wine and delivers the crap wine to Greenslade. And that's what that whole phone yeah. call business at the start was about. And I think Drummond, 
is, and we will get on to the daring escape in a minute, I think Drummond's scam was that he was getting good wine. No, he was getting shit wine delivered in... No, 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 no. He was getting good wine. He was getting shit wine delivered, masquerading as good wine, so that he could have it stolen and claim loads of money on the insurance, like you said. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it was the wine. He he wasn't involved in like the good wine shit wine scam. He it, he his, was he his, was involved in his own good wine shit wine scam because at the end there they had the the uh, the tasting and. Crab said, "This is a wine that you could buy for two pound fifty, and it's like apparently no, no. there's some place in Morocco where they're getting this crap wine made uh, to uh, masquerade yeah, as good uh, vintage wine." I thought that was what the, the whole thing no, was. no, his uh, because he he wanted to buy that wine back. the The whole point was that he was going to buy. Uh, he wanted his like sixty grand's worth of wine stolen that he could then claim on the insurance and then buy back for like five grand. Um, okay, so what was the, uh, yeah, so what was the so, so what was the whole thing with the two pound fifty wine that upset Henry Crabbe's boss? Uh, that was uh, that was basically kind of like the the injured wine merchant who was mates with Crabbe's wife. Um, th- that was their scam that they could import um, expensive wine under the guise of of it being kind of crap wine, effectively. Okay, so look, let's so let's let's move past this wine business. So basically, there were. The crux of the matter is there were two separate wine scams going on, one being run by Drummond and one being run by Greenslade. Uh, and Porter, George Porter, somehow got wind of one of them and he was trying to just... And, and basically him and his wife were just trying to fiddle a bit off the top, weren't they? Which is why he got they, into they, trouble they were, with they Greenslade. Were tr- yeah, they, they were basically trying to... Um, Avoid steal. import. Uh, avo- yeah, steal from the government and the country. But they weren't um, trying to. They weren't trying to avoid any import tax. They figured out what Greenslade was doing, and so they nicked some of his good wine. I think that's what, or they tried to nick some of his good wine, and he worked it out. Yeah, and I think that's what uh, happened here. Uh, I, uh, no, there was a there was a there was no, a big import no, that's tax it, cause they, No, because they had it delivered. It was a big import tax thing, but it wasn't the porters weren't in on it. They okay. basically figured out what was happening and they took the good wine to Drummond's place to hide it from Greenslade and that's why the wife and Rosé were able to steal that good <laughs> wine back at the end of the episode. Okay, all right. I, think. Uh, I don't think the porters were in on that whole thing anyway. It doesn't matter. So It doesn't matter. But the, to, I mean, the, we should cover the daring escape though. The, dari- they, uh, the daring escape is, is fucking hilarious. Um it's possibly the best scene, apart from the Kobayashi scene with Pete Possessway, it is possibly the best scene in the whole thing. Yeah, they they basically sort of like hold um, hold Julian Fellows to to ransom with his with his wine. They're they're grabbing priceless bottles of wine um, and basically kind not of Julian Fellows. It's not Drummond. It's um it's Greenslade's oh, yeah, warehouse yeah, they're in. Yeah. Um, basically, mid- these goons. Basically, Greenslade all- is about to set his goons on these two middle-aged women to beat them up. I think that's. That's all I can assume is about to happen. Uh, uh, that, that is exactly what's going to happen. And uh, plus, also, uh, I would. What middle-aged bald restaurant manager has goons? You run a restaurant. <laughs> 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 you know, it 
it makes no sense. I don't, it I does do, make no sense. I simply don't understand how how this man has like a, effectively like a pair of heavies to, to kind of. There's three help. of them there. There's three of them there in that scene in the wine warehouse in his wine cellar. He's got three hired heavies who over the matter of some unpaid VAT, are willing to beat up two middle-aged women in cold blood. I know. It's insanity. Yes. It's insanity slash uh, very lazy writing. Very lazy um, writing. But yeah, I'd I'd not even considered that point. That's such a good point. Why has Greenslade, who effectively is just a restaurant owner, yeah, why has he got (laughs) <laughs> Why has he got men on the payroll willing to beat up innocent women? And you've, and you've got to assume that they're kind of like, you know, this must be like a full-time job for them. Like, it's like, what are they doing the rest of them? Just sitting about, like, just waiting for him to do something dodgy. <coughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's ridiculous. How how much how useful are these goons? I mean, well, I, I, they appear to be terrible at their job as well. Like, hmm. plus also, like it, it makes absolutely no sense for the fact that sort of you know the whole way the whole escape plan of of uh, said middle aged women is throwing the wine, but they wouldn't care about the wine, like. And literally, they could just charge at these women um, and prevent them from picking up wine. They're, they're like 10 feet away. Um, yeah, she picks, what happens is she picks up, they're about to go in, these goons are about to go in and give these women what one can only assume is going to be a good old-fashioned shoeing. <laughs> and, and so Henry Crabbe's wife picks up one of the bottles of wine and says, oh, oh, oh. Wait a minute, and Greenslade gets all panicky and says, "Oh, it's a nineteen seventeen, yeah, yeah, doody uh, watch 'em a flip worth uh, random uh, amount of money, number one." And then they—that's when they get the idea, and they basically load their arms up with wine. Greenslade tells his goons to back off, and then they throw all the wine at them anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And once, run out of the door and lock what, the and lock the cellar door. Yeah. Once that once that first bottle is thrown, it's like it just charge at them, stop them from picking up any more wine. It like, you know, um, you were willing to have them beaten to a pulp by your paid goons before they've yeah. broken a priceless bottle of wine. Once they have broken a priceless bottle of wine, surely that's just like get them, lads. I mean, to be fair, I've never held like two middle-aged women hostage in a um, high-end wine cellar, but. Uh, I I would think that um, if you are so morally bankrupt as to be a paid goon for a restaurant owner, um, then you would... As, as unlikely as that job seems. <laughs> I mean, would you put that on? Would, would you put that on your CV? It's like, <laughs> so, Marcus, I've been uh, reviewing your CV, and if you could tell me what you were doing mm-hmm. between uh, 1993 and 1994, it's, it 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 says that you were a paid paid goon. Could you um, <laughs> could you tell me exactly um, what responsibilities you had and 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 how you uh, and just just your basic reflections on um, on that experience, please. Well, it was uh, it was my first job out of prison. Um, can I and... can I can I stop you there, please? Um, you say prison. Um... <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Okay. Um, and may I ask how long you were in prison for? 
Well, um, only um, I only did eighteen months of a four-year sentence. I used to be uh, I used to be a corrector, um, kind of you know, if debts were unpaid. I used to go round and uh, sort the people out who hadn't paid the debts. I, I worked for a news agent. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, I, I worked for a news agent in the fictional town of Westershire. Uh, and it was mostly, you know, if people hadn't paid their paper bill, I would go round and, uh, and uh, yeah, duff them up. Uh, uh, um, so, presumably, probably a lot of sort of uh, middle-aged, elderly people owing, owing what's sort of like five, five or six pounds for their uh, subscription to the Daily Mail, I would guess. And um... mostly, yeah, mostly it was uh, it was roughing up uh, the elderly for non uh, for non-payment of their paper bills. There were occasional children that needed assuring. Uh, for stealing football stickers or penny sweets. Yes, you are hired. You are. You can be head goon. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, to be honest, I don't know if I'm really cut out for head goon. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking uh, right hand man to the head goon. Oh, okay. That's uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, so what happens? They uh, they make their daring daring escape from the wine cellar. Then they go. Then there's been a wine tasting. A wine tasting has occurred, and they've worked out that the wine that is supposed to be a crap Cabernet Sauvignon is actually um, a vintage bottle of wine, uh, Crab Unmarsis Subterfuge. Uh, they then go to the warehouse to try and sort this out, and that is kind of it. To my, you don't really see Drummond. Get any kind of into, no, no, he, get into any kind of trouble. Does he get arrested? Yeah, yeah, he does. Like because there, there's like the big sort of like standoff where um, Crab uh, Crab makes a um, tells him that he understands that like he paid the paid the thieves to um, steal the wine so he could get insurance. There was a there was a whole scene there. Oh, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is gonna get. So he's so he's gonna get arrested. Um, but you don't see him get arrested or taken away. I don't think, do you? I think it just cuts. No, it's it, it's basically kind of like the like the Agatha, uh, Agatha, uh, Agatha Christie sort of like um, like parlour room scene where uh, all the revolutions come out and he he uh, effectively kind of like admits it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know he he gets his comeuppance. Um, he gets he gets his comeuppance. Drummond. He's he's guilty. And then Greenslade turns up at the restaurant where they've got. There was a lot of there were a lot of scenes in this episode where there were a large amount of wine boxes piled up in rooms. And basically they they cut to the restaurant and they've got all the wine piled up in the restaurant. Yeah. And then Greenslade turns up, and. Rosé and the wife are particularly pleased with themselves because they've got the wine out. Uh, and then Greenslade shows up and takes the wine and, and Crab lets, them, lets him take all the wine. And Rosé and the wife are upset by this and wonder what he's doing. And then as the minute they start driving away with the wine, Crab has obviously called the customs and excise people. And so Greenslade gets his comeuppance as well. Anyway, that's where the episode ends, effectively, and everyone's happy. Uh, the restaurant's not going to get shut down. Pete Pothlethwaite is just, uh, yeah. is not involved anymore. Uh, yeah, that, that plot line is uh, just ignored. And... Just defunct. Greenslade gets uh, yeah. arrested by the customs people, and we've got a restaurant to run, and that's it. 
yeah. it's over. And over it is, and by God, I was happy. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's leave it there, and we'll come back in. Uh, we'll come back in a moment, and we will uh, have some final thoughts, uh, discuss predictions, yep. and uh, give our ratings. Oh, <laughs> let's do some ratings. The detective inspectors. Well, let's cover predictions now. Uh, you, Tabby, were correct. Uh, I thank you. Um, I mean, I, I would uh, just, I would just, I would just point out. So, a, you were correct. It was Drummond. He did put the, he did put the people up to do the ram raid. Yeah. But in my, in my defence, Greenslade was also up to no good. You get the point. No question about it. But you know, Greenslade was no. You know, he was he was guilty too, and also got arrested. He was no angel, um, but I mean, effectively, both both of them looked exactly the same as well. Sort of like uh, bald middle-aged men. Um, it was kind of difficult to tell them apart a little. Um, well, you well you obviously struggled with that, as we found out during the recap of the second half of the episode. But I think I, Greenslade was less posh. Possibly, um, but when you're put against like Julian Fellows, um, uh, Even you're uh, less posh. The, the Queen is less posh than Julian Fellows. <laughs> um. Okay, okay. Um, in, in my defence. In your in your defence. So you are now uh, a, dis, a dispiriting five two up, I think, on predictions. Although I'm going to have to go back. And check those numbers at some point, but I think it's five two to you. Uh, I think the mistake that you made is um, giving these programs a little bit too much credit. Um, you basically have to kind of think of the most stupid and obvious answer, um, and that is probably correct. Um, you know, when we're dealing with something like a, when we're dealing with like a uh, something a little bit high, more highbrow or well written, like a Morse, or um, you know, possibly in future maybe a cracker or something. Um, you can kind of give them a, you know, <laughs> believe that the writers actually know what they're doing. Um, I, I think with with your pies in the sky, um, the writers are churning out and they don't give a fuck. Um, and... Well, they should do. They should have given a fuck because this was the first series. This was like, you know, this was this was a big thing, a new thing. You know, let's not forget, this did run. We're on to final thoughts now, by the way, in case... Uh, mm. In case you haven't noticed, listener, we've transitioned seamlessly into final thoughts. Uh, they should have been making an effort here. Do you know what I mean? This is this was on the BBC for crying out loud. Uh, yeah, they uh, they missed a trick with this. Uh, forty episodes. I mean, forty episodes in uh, three years. That's uh, that's impressive. Um, over, over thirteen episodes a year. Yeah. Um, there we go. <laughs> Maths genius, Marcus Brayburn. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What I would say is that it's nice to watch. So uh, in series one, these programmes, they're all called things like this. They've all got proper titles, a matter of taste, blah, blah, blah. This I haven't got the list in front of me, but no, no, once no, you get from season two, <laughs> but once you get from season two onwards, they start being called coddled eggs. Uh, and pork pies 
<laughs> and phoning it in. <laughs> phoning it in. But they're all they're all called food stuff in the later episodes. And I think I actually think it gets it gets more absurd later on because the one we watched before was was from was from a later episode, wasn't it? And it was more absurd. This was at least while it was a bit lame and a bit it was at least kind of trying to be proper kind of it was almost a Bergerakian plot. A Bergerakian, nice. Yeah. There was a lot. There was a lot of different stuff going on, and it was. I mean, look, we've just watched. We've just watched one of the worst detective programs ever made, and we aren't entirely clear on what's happened. Yeah, um, I, I, I think you're actually giving it a little bit too much credit. But uh, I mean, I, I, I appreciate the fact that you're you're trying to be kind and, and sort of like cutting it some slack. But uh, also, it was awful. It's piss poor. It's piss poor. We said piss poor, I believe, earlier on, and uh, that is certainly a description uh, description that I would like to stick to. Um, I think very much like the um, like the plot of this program, um, they've taken uh, effectively like a bottle of wine that is just a, a a bottle of piss, and and they've 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 put an expensive label on it, and they've tried to sell it to us as some quality programming, but it is not. It is not. I don't think. I I genuinely do not think that shit like this would get made anymore because back in the day when this was on, in 94, 95, there were... I mean, Sky had just started, but no one really had it. It was just Rupert Murdoch and his son were the only people watching it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Back in 1994, 95, there were only four channels. So you could make almost any old crap and put it on and expect if you were the BBC to get a 33% audience share. Do you know what I mean? And I, I feel like now, with Netflix and with Amazon and with all the stuff from abroad and people are watching intelligent, well-thought-out Scandinavian dramas and stuff, <laughs> if you put this on BBC now, no fucker is watching it. It is a product of its time. It is the end of the fat, lazy production of major television programmes for the big two channels. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I like uh, I, I like that I, I, I think kind of uh, yeah I, I, I can see you now you're standing on your soapbox you're um, <laughs> shouting at passers by <laughs> <laughs> do you not think that's true though I, I can't I, I, I can't disagree to, to be honest I, I like your uh, impassioned um, <laughs> rant um and I, and it, uh, <laughs> for a bleaker future. <laughs> but it's true, right? You wouldn't, I mean, compare this to like The Bridge, you know, the original Scandinavian series of The Bridge, or, you know, just there's so much good, there's so much good drama available now. There's so much of it that I can't even keep up with all the things that people tell me I should be watching. But but and, and and the things people watch now, everyone tells you to watch something. Two million people are watching that in this country. I bet the audience figures for this were like twelve to fourteen million people per uh, episode. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. As uh, as you say, it's like Sunday night drama. Um, uh, 
you know, a little bit lighthearted. You don't really have to think about it. You're, you know, you've, you've put the kids to bed. You're, uh, you're having your uh, third bottle of uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. And, or is um, it? <laughs> check that label. <laughs> yeah. Always peel the label off to see if there's another label underneath. The lesson I've learned from this episode. And also... That even that is a shit thing, isn't it? The ease with which he peeled that label off to reveal uh, the label underneath. It's like, come on. Everything is so. And, and you know, there's a lot of talented performers in this, like Richard Griffiths, um, uh, amazing actor. Um, uh, Pete Postlewaite, amazing actor. Um, Kobayashi, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, pe- people were kind of trying, but it's just lazy and shit, and it doesn't. The fact, the fact that you didn't know you stole wine from Mister Soze is the only reason you are still alive. Mm-mm. A gift Good. to you, Tabby, for Mister Soze. Yeah. <laughs> so, have you got any um, any nuggets of uh, a final thought for us, there, Tabby? Um, I've got a few points. Um, so we have a scene sort of like early in the. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Um, so I've got a few points. Um, in an early scene, like Richard Griffith is, is um, or the, the, is it Henry Henry Crab? Um, Henry Crab is correct. Henry Crab. Yes. Yep. Um, Two B's, one E. So he's <laughs> he's meant to he's meant to be like a a chef. He's meant to be good. Like the fucker can't cut mushrooms. Like you oh, see, man. You, you see him sort of like wielding. Like it's as if he's never used a knife before. Like yeah. he is the slowest. Like. And he's not even cutting them sort of like finely or anything. Like I can imagine if you're like going in for like detail or, or like you know wanting to like, Chris. But like it, it really looks like he's never held a knife or cut a mushroom before. Yeah, that just don't me have off. that bit in there. I I used to be a chef, and I tell you what, you should see me cut a mushroom. It is. Do you see a proper chef wielding a knife? It is an impressive. Sight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why not have a close up? Why not show him holding the mushroom and then close up to a proper chef's hands? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like whizzing the knife down the mushroom. That would look cool. Okay, so that pissed me off. Um, me so, too. My favourite part of the episode was um, during the scene while uh, where um, Richard Griffiths finds the um, finds the empty vodka bottle. Um, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. I know. <laughs> There's, there's sort of like the the head of the police uh, there, and um, Freddie Fisher. uh, Thank you, Um, and a a, a random police who I'm not sure if it's like a mispronunciation or whether or not it was like a joke, but but they call him Bollock. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He actually says, "Carry on, Bollock." Carry on, Bollock. Um, Which I've uh, not seen that one. um, I, I believe <laughs> carry on is, Bollock <laughs> is, is Sid James in that one Sid, just Sid James lusting over young women and wah, laughing wah, like yeah just yeah just groping about like a horrendous sex offender <laughs> all good clean fun in the 60s well you know it was it, it was innuendo but or yeah. not as it turns out now <laughs> no um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I, I think you'll find I on my second viewing I picked up that his name was actually Bullock, but on that first on that first hearing it definitely definitely sounds like he says carry on Bullock. Absolutely. Um... And 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 I think I feel like that pretty much covers it for the episode and uh, and final thoughts on Pie in the Sky. I mean, we need to we need to obviously rate. Uh, Henry Crabb as a detective so I think we'll do that after this uh, final final piece of music we'll come back we'll rate Henry Crabb and then we'll be out of here yep Um, I've got a uh, dinner reservation at Pie in the Sky so we're back and we're going to rate we're going to rate Henry Crabb in, uh, for his detective skills. Um, in this episode, did he work... He did work... Look, I think he worked it out. He worked it out from the wine, from the labels, from the taste. I think he... I mean, he got he got there in the end and everyone got arrested, which, as we've previously discussed, always happens in these uh, programmes. But I feel uh, like he did... He did good work here. I'm going to actually agree with you. Um, in, in as much as I really hated the program, um, uh, just for it just being so utterly crap, but um, it, it, he he did pretty well. He he, um, you know, it, it, he solved the crime as as you say, but they always do because they have to because otherwise the program would make no sense. But um, it seemed that from the clues he had, it, it, he didn't just phone it in. Like he he was, uh, you know, he, he was on the case. Um, uh, he pieced it together. He found the vodka bottle. He got the yeah. he got the people who did the ram raid to own up to what was going on. Yeah, I mean, his wife does good work too because she because she gets uh, uh, the number plate of the Range Rover that's following her. Yeah. Um, so she, so she chips in. Behind every good detective is a is a is an inquiring and snooping wife. Um, uh, I, I would also just another flaw of this program is that they put an awful lot of stock into the um, into the Range Rover. Um, stock but, is that some sort of chefing joke? Uh, that is that is absolutely a chefing joke. But nice. uh, or, nice. you know, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but. You're living in the fucking home counties in like a village. Every single person has a Range Rover. It's not like you see. They kind of like they they kind of like posit that the term that the Range Rover is is like a weird and unusual thing. But you're you're in a small village, sort of like somewhere near the countryside. It's got to be every, every third car. Every, every third every car thir- is a blue uh, Range Rover. Yeah. Um, and that's where that's one of the many reasons why the plot falls down. Um, also, if I could just add there as a final thought, why, if you're a restaurateur that feels the need to have goons on your payroll, which I still don't quite understand why, why have those goons drive around in a Range Rover that's registered to your name? <laughs> A very good point. <laughs> that feels like an error. Okay, yeah. so let's rate. So let's rate uh, Henry Crabb. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be generous, and I'm gonna ignore the low quality of the program overall. And okay. I'm actually gonna give Henry Crabb. 
considering he's doing this while running a, a popular Worcestershire restaurant, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> chuck the guy a six. I'm with you. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna give him a six. Um, he's working with what he's given. Um, it it seems he did all right, but you know, if I were to rate the program, I'd probably give it a generous three or four. Um, it was it, it was vaguely entertaining. It had a couple I think. Of, Sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. I, I, think, I, I, I think I would give it a slightly higher rating just because it's short. It's kind of good fun. It's it's a bit of a so bad it's good situation, I think. Uh, Do you know what I mean? I think if you accidentally stumbled across an episode of Pie in the Sky and watched it, it's 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 bad, but it's not offensively bad. It's not like Hammer. Hammer was bad, but it was offensive to everyone portrayed within it. Uh, Whereas yeah. this is just kind of it's it's good knock around fun with no real, it's not it's not hurting anyone. Uh, no, no, I think yeah, you're you're right. Um, I'd sooner I, watch I, this I, than uh, Hammer. Oh, I don't know. I, I can't. I kind of enjoy Hammer more because it's so utterly ridiculous. Plus, also, I'm not entirely sure that you can give something a good rating just for the fact that it's short. <laughs> I I like this because I didn't have to watch much of it. <laughs> could, I, could, I just, that, could I just say that not every episode of Hammer is going to have a horse in an apartment? <laughs> that was very much a one-off. <laughs> but that but I would guarantee that every episode of Hammer is going to have something equally as ridiculous. Yeah, very possibly, very possibly. Well, I think I think that just about wraps us up for Pie in the Sky. Um, so a six, a six on average for detective rating, and yep. uh, an intermediate. I liked it a bit more than you, I think, as far as being happy to watch it again. Yeah. Um, let's let's see. Let's. Uh... Maybe, maybe, maybe like a a fine Cabernet Sauvignon. It will um, it, it 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 will increase in value with age. But um, indeed, indeed. I, I don't know. It hasn't done so far. It's already twenty years old. Yeah. Oh well. It's going through that difficult middle period. Maybe when it's fifty years old, people will look back at it. At, at pie in the sky is a high watermark for British television. <laughs> well, I doubt well, it. I, well, I think kind of like after the apocalypse, when everyone's sort of like sort of <laughs> you know struggling for life in mud huts, um, people aren't going to be reenacting scenes of pie in the sky. Um, indeed, indeed. Well, let's well let's let's end it there, and uh, just a couple more things to talk about. Firstly, Happy New Year, everyone. We are back after a brief hiatus. Happy New Year. And you can expect to be seeing us now every other Thursday. Not Monday anymore. We're moving, we're moving it uh, to Thursday. So uh, we'll see you on Thursdays. This one should be coming out on the 18th of January, I think. Um, um, it, so it will, should be every two weeks from then. You will hear us. You will not see us. Um. <laughs> okay. Fucking yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and just to finish off, I've got. I've actually. I I checked our iTunes page uh, the other day, 
And you can't believe my surprise when I found that we had two uh, two reviews. I'm I'm fucking excited. I'm <laughs> I'm expecting okay. worse. <laughs> okay, so the first review is a five star review entitled "Excellent." <laughs> Did a you five write that? star review, and it's uh, it's it's a short review. Uh, it's a very funny podcast. I laughed a lot. Uh, would you like to hazard a guess at who that's from? Um, I, I would guess possibly a member of mine or your family. <laughs> your brother, <laughs> I think. Hooray! Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Rich, rich underscore W. <laughs> oh, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> but then the next review is quite exciting because uh, I have genuinely no idea who this is. Um uh, it's another five-star review, and it's by Impulsive Poet. Ooh. And it's from December, just gone. So it's uh, all, it's uh, it's fresh. You can still smell the uh, smell the stars on this one. <laughs> uh, and the view is, I enjoy. And it's it is a positive review, but there is a, a sting in its tail. I think. Um, oh. <laughs> it, it says. I enjoy listening to this podcast because I know the irreverent banter will make me laugh, even when the actual content is strained. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that 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 is a very good review. That's yeah, that's kind review, of yeah, it? That, it sums that's, it up. That's what we want. Um, and what was the uh, what was the username for that? Impulsive poet. Impulsive poet. Um, well, thank you, Impulsive Poet. And, uh, I mean, I, I think kind of Impulsive Poetry is possibly some sort of um, potential sort of like uh, physical or mental disorder where... <laughs> where <laughs> wow. Where you just can't... Where you can't help but make poetry. Uh, um, this person's gone to the... This person's gone to the effort of rating us five stars and writing an extremely well thought out review... And you've just insulted them. No, I haven't. I've, I've thanked them. <laughs> you thanked them and said it was some... What did you say? Oh, anyway. Anyway, I'm looking... Just Thank speak... You. Shush, shush. Because Thank... I'm looking at that now and I think I might know who that is. So, okay. Uh, so let's let's say no more. Um, well, th- thank think, you, Impulsive Poet. Thank No, thank you, Impulsive Poet. And thank you, the mysterious Rich W, whoever that might be. Um, who knows? For your review as well. <laughs> But, I um, think we're done. I think we're done. Yeah, um, I'd just like to say, if, if you want to give us a five-star review, uh, please do. Um, it, it's um, even if you don't like us at all, um, just just give us a five-star review. It, it, you know, it it's fine. Um, Doesn't cost you anything. It's not like no. the review police are going to come round and question you about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Henry Crabb might turn up, but. Um, Apart from the fact he died in 2003. Uh, yeah, well. Or thir- no, 2013, I think, actually, wasn't it? Uh, anyway, yeah, let's not go down that road. We're finished. <laughs> We're finished. Cool. Um, all I would like to say at this point is, number one, you can watch this episode of Pie in the Sky on the UK TV Play website, if you want. If you want to watch along and try and work out what the fuck we're talking about. And yep. secondly, if you want to get in touch... And when I say get in touch, I mean leave a review, tweet us at detect underscore inspect or email us at uh, the detective inspectors at gmail.com. 
Indeed. And if you want to suggest a programme for us to do, then we'd much appreciate it because uh, it would save us the trouble. Um, I'd really like to watch some Morsel Cracker, so um, if you want to do that, uh, that would be awesome. Thank you. Well, we're not doing, we're not doing any more Morse, so uh, it's a tough break. Tough break, kiddo. I'll settle for a Lewis. Okay, time to go. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed myself. I hope the listener has. All that remains to say is that my name has been Marcus Braeburn, perhaps. I'm Tabby, and we have been... The... The de- Detective... Detective Inspectors. Inspectors. Oh, Thank just, you. Just try. Just try and do it. What? <laughs> I blame you for that always not working. <laughs>